have a passion, hobby or expertise and want to share it with the world, why not do a podcast? The PodStation offers a wide range of packages to make this a reality, ranging from training and support for those who have no idea where to begin, to podcasters who just need somewhere to host their show. With prices starting at a mere £15 per month, you can now get involved in one of the fastest growing entertainment forms in the world without all the headaches. To find out more, visit thepodstation.co.uk forward slash station dash packages. And remember, those with passion, podcast. You're listening to The Business Spotlight, exclusively on The Pod Station. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Business Spotlight uh, podcast. Uh, my name's Mark. I'm the owner of the Pod Station, and what we did was decided to set this up um, largely because I was stuck in my house um, uh, during a pandemic crisis, and it was definitely better than mowing the lawn and just cleaning the bathrooms. Uh, but ultimately, the aim is to give a business the spotlight each episode so they can uh, talk to us about their area of expertise and give some tips and some help that will ultimately guide you through probably some of the problems you hadn't anticipated as a result of this pandemic. And in some cases, just generally give you some some advice to help your business out. Um, I definitely recommend checking out all of the experts that we do have on the show uh, because they are all specifically selected because I do consider them to be experts firsthand. Um, uh, you can check out all the previous shows on the podstation.co.uk. Uh, there is actually a page for the Business Spotlight show. You'll find quick links to all of the major podcast platforms where you can subscribe. And when you do, like magic, it just appears on your phone and you can just listen to them as and when they drop. Um, you can check us out on social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can message us there either to ask any questions of our experts or if you want to nominate your own business uh, and your own area of expertise to be on, then you can just let us know. You can email spotlight at thepodstation.co.uk and then lo and behold, we'll be able to send you out an information pack and we can take it from there. So this week, what are we going to do? Uh, well, we're going to look at something which is a little bit shut down, but this particular expert who I love, and I'm feeling slightly nervous, I have to be honest, because she's a pro and I'm saying this to bully her up and add a little bit of extra pressure, uh, not least because then she'll feel as under pressure as, quite frankly, I feel at this moment in time. Uh, we have uh, Becky Waterfield from Funky Sunflower, who is a media and an events expert, uh, but formerly on the radio, currently on the radio, uh, has just splashed yep. out on some new gear because she was also suffering from lockdown-itis. She even has a board, which, quite frankly, I don't have, will be purchasing at the end of this show with some sound effects. So with an incredible special effects round of applause, because she can, introducing to you Becky Wardsfield. I thank you. I thank you. <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, that is a, an impressive sound effect. That is an impressive piece of equipment. You seem particularly happy with yourself, Bex. Yep, 
very much so. I clearly have been locked in my house far too long. I need to go out and do something. (laughs) Uh, Now, uh, tell us a bit about Funky Sunflowers so that people can pick up where we're going with this and what we're going to be talking about. Cool. So I launched Funky Sunflower back in 2011 um which doesn't seem in one hand to be too long ago and then given where we are right now it seems like it was a a century and a half ago um and um originally it was event management and wedding planning so you can see where we're going (laughs) Um, as of march of this year that kind of disappeared um as did all events and all weddings until next year um but as you touched on used to be on the radio back on the radio and doing some other kind of stuff so pull the media section into it so um the events are still there when we're allowed the weddings are still going to be there when we're allowed um but the media side of it kind of fits in because it's all about helping people stand out from the crowd um and you know you can do that online and offline with the current situation because just to date stamp this for people just to let them know where we're at in this current moment in time it's mid-june 2020 we have been locked away like the walking dead into our own little fortresses we're not allowed out anywhere we're not allowed to do anything the the rules are changing so shops were able to open as of last week non-essential shops um the entertainment and the sort of recreational sectors haven't yet been given the go-ahead but that seems to be pending uh, obviously weddings and, and, and just events generally would fall into that category. So have they given you any indication of when things might be able to come to, I say normality, because we'll touch on very quickly why normal actually probably won't exist for the certainly the short term. There's no guidelines at the moment. What we're hoping for is that um, there'll be a little bit of the relaxation on the rules of weddings. However, I, I think from what I've read, it's only going to be for a maximum of 10 people. So I personally can't see any kind of large scale events until next year. Certainly all the weddings that I had right up until the end of this year and corporate events. um, There's absolutely nothing booked in for Christmas because nobody kind of, it's twofold really. I think first off, no one knows whether we're going to be able to do any events this side of Christmas, whether that there'll be um, venues that will be open that can accommodate that many people. Um, And secondly, I think a lot of businesses, um, sadly, they're, they're, we will see some job losses come in. So, I, you know, there'll be businesses there who are struggling financially, but also morally, it wouldn't be right for them to be seen to be celebrating the staff that, that they have left. So I think basically for in terms of events, 2020 is shut down now and it, it's all about kind of next year onwards. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel because, as you say, next year is is a platform that people can be aiming towards. Weddings are an obvious one. Um insofar as if you've got a wedding in the pipeline you're going to need to organize it anyway in 2021 if that's when it's going to be or beyond i suspect um then then that's that's kind of what you're going to do as a business though you mentioned the christmas parties but events extend well beyond just things like a christmas party um obviously you're absolutely right in saying that celebrations might seem a little bit tasteless at this moment in time but actually events are form part and parcel of your marketing mix really and there's probably no better time whatsoever to be trying to market your business yeah definitely i think the the smaller companies um in particular things like um launch events so if there's new products coming out you know is there a way that we can do that i'm speaking to a couple of ladies at the minute who are launching a couple of new gins which is very nice um i tip payment in gin um and um, we're having discussions about how we can do some stuff for them um um, 
so the smaller business maybe it could be something like a relaunch party so once you know things kind of come out from this and you can start it'll, it'll still be socially distant for a while um but once the restrictions are kind of eased a little bit more it'll be a lot easier I think looking at the, the the big things you're right you know it's not just about Christmas parties there are summer fun days there are awards events conference and all that stuff still needs to happen some of it will be online um I think there'll be a rise in hybrid events so where um, you know, there'll be a group of people, but maybe there won't be that business travel necessarily. So instead of bringing people in from around the world to one event, it might be that there's there's pods of people in different countries and then they're linked up online. So it's like a hybrid virtual event. Um, but the key thing is if you are planning on something, whether it's a wedding or whether it's a corporate event of any kind, you want to start looking now at dates because particularly for weddings, next year is absolutely chock-a-block I know some photographers who already can't accommodate anything new next year because it's a lovely situation in a way to be in that the couples who are getting married this year have had to put it back and they want to take those suppliers with them but obviously it restricts the dates so um it's worth having a look but also you'll get some amazing deals from venues some of the deals that are out there at the moment are phenomenal we'll come to the media element of it in in a moment uh, with with in terms of the event organising that you do, what what sort of elements of that process do you assist with, and why is it that people are better off going with someone like you to make sure it's done properly? Or I guess I probably answered that question in that statement. Yeah, and <laughs> um, so it's a funny one because a lot of people will think, oh, if I'm getting a wedding planner or an event planner, it's going to cost me an absolute fortune. And if you sit and look at the cost, sometimes it can look like it's going to be a lot. Um, but if you get the, the trick with an event planner or wedding planner is get them involved early, even before you've got your venue, because that's where they come into their own. And that's where we save you money, because we can get deals off venues and off suppliers, off caterers that you just can't get. They're not publicly known. Um, and we can get these amazing offers, deals, you name it. Um, I did an event last year. Uh, for a big tech company, and I saved them £13,000. I didn't get paid nearly, well, not even half of, of that, um, nowhere near half of that. But through deals and contacts, that that's what we can help with. So you kind of, it's a bit like getting an accountant to do your accounts. Yeah, there's an outlay for it, but actually you end up saving that money in the long term anyway. And in terms of the help that we can provide, it can be the way that I've structured the business. It's not, we have to do everything for you. So it's very much like a pick and mix food. Mm. Um, so you can see, you know, we need a little bit of help with maybe finding the venue and then we're all right for a bit. And then what we'd like is for you to come in and manage it on the day. Some people want us to do all of it. Some people just want us to come in on the day and manage it because they're quite happy planning it. But on the day itself, whether it's a wedding or whether it's a, an event, a lot of times corporate wise, it's a PA who will have put all of this together. They've worked so hard they're there in all their finery. They don't want to be running around backstage, you know, making sure I have the caterers turned up with the band there. Where's the singer? Is he out having a sneaky fag out the back? You know, it's, so we do all of that and it takes the pressure off and they get to kind of bask in the glory of what they've organised. So um, I've also got a pocket planner, which is like a virtual assistant, which is a uh, like a low monthly fee. So um, people have access through WhatsApp, um, email or Zoom. And they can just say, you know, it's particularly good for brides and grooms because I think when you're planning a wedding, you get really, really obsessed and it's all you want to talk about and you can annoy other people around you because they don't really want to talk about it. Um, 
I remember when I was getting married, one of my best friends was going through the the um the the proceedings of getting divorced and I was like, oh, I can't really have this conversation with her, can I? Um I'm divorced now and that's all I talk about. I'm like, just get divorced. More well, fun than get married. <laughs> I've I've got two sisters and I have to say neither of those two sisters shut up about the wedding on the lead up to it. And I have to say the other halves I did they were quite happy to talk about anything other than uh, during that period so i tended to make a beeline for them as opposed to my sisters because like you say um it's not my day <laughs> i mean it's consuming and and rightly so and there are so many decisions and sometimes you're kind of a little bit like oh i don't know whether this is the right thing so the virtual wedding assistant and, and event assistant kind of they're just if you know if you're out for example and you say what do you think that this color would work really well with the men's suits or something like that it's just that extra little bit of backup just knowing that there's someone there who who isn't going to be annoyed at you, and you can ask any question whenever you need to. With the with both sort of the weddings and the corporate events leading up, one of the biggest risks you can take, because certainly from a corporate perspective, your brand is very much on the line here. Your reputation, even if it's just a, a celebratory event, you you're still putting your brand on the line. Um, it's quite important then that whatever you do and whatever you provide is going to be top spec. And I guess with someone like you, the ability is to go and make sure that you're using a tried and tested supplier or a contact as opposed to like your food, your butties turning up on the day and they've got maggots crawling out of the bread. Mm-hmm. Tasty. <laughs> um, no, you're, you're spot on. They're tried and they're tested and, um, you know, it, it's not a case of we work. There are some venues, there are some um, other kind of companies who work on um, a commission basis. So it's, you know, they'll only recommend people if they're getting kind of maybe 10% of that that booking fee. Um, I don't work like that at all. They're tried, they're tested. I know that they're good. Um, and I'm not doing it for the sake of, you know, 10% commission on what whatever that price is going to be. Um, and I have heard I have heard horror stories of people who, but particularly it seems to, it seems to be weddings and it seems to be DJs. Um, and this is no one in, in the Northwest. I'm just going to put that out there and I won't name anyone, but it was a, a wedding that um, we were looking after and they said their sister had got married and found the DJ um, just online um, and been on YouTube, watched a couple of his videos and it looked great. That was it. Didn't do any kind of checks, get any reviews. And this guy turned up half cut on the night and he was singing over all of the songs like karaoke style. And in the end... They had to get him evicted and get one of the staff just to play a Spotify playlist for them. Oh and that God. was, you know, that's their, you laugh, but that was their wedding day. And, you know, eventually these stories do become kind of a humorous thing. But on the day, that must have been awful. And promoting it, I guess that's something that you will help them. There's an awful lot more to it than just going, I've got an event and then assuming everybody's going to bother their ass to turn up because from various birthday parties over the course of my lifetime. I know that doesn't happen. <laughs> or maybe it's just me. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, take the hint there, Mark. Um, no, no, definitely. Um, I think one of the things that people fall into, it's particularly like corporate events. And I've had clients where they're like, oh, a free bar and some food and everyone will come flocking. And it's like, well, it's a lovely thing. And you'll get some people there for it, but everyone offers a free bar and, and, and beer. So it, it's not case of that anymore. People want something of an experience. And you just got to look at how popular things like Instagram and Pinterest are. People want to be kind of involved and absorbed into this event and experience it. So they've got stuff to take photos of. They want to brag about where they've been. 
and you know oh great that's a, a glass of fizz is lovely but how many other pictures of glass of fizz are you going to find on on instagram so what else can you do what else can you bring to that event to make it that little bit different to give it that wow factor to make it stand out from the crowd and that's how you get the people involved and then after that you want the, the post publicity as well so everyone then goes away haven't had a great time and shares those pictures so you you know, as a, as a company, that's what you need. It's that word of mouth. We will touch on the benefits of a wedding because either you're about to get married, in which case you've already decided there are benefits, or you're currently in the midst of an unhappy marriage or divorce and therefore decided there are no benefits. Um, but you already know the answers to those questions. With the corporate aspect of it, what are the benefits of doing an event? And I appreciate that's quite a, an open question, but giving people inspiration of what they could be doing and why they might be doing it right now just to get the wheels back in motion? The biggest thing with with an event, it's all about engagement and getting people there. So there are a whole host of, of reasons to do an event depending on what that is. An event doesn't have to be for 200 people and cost you 10 grand. You can do an event for a couple of hundred quid. Um, and it's all about what you want to get out of it. And this is the same, I think, for anything. It's always know what your end game is going to be and work backwards. So is this event something where you just want to celebrate success? So maybe it's your fifth birthday for the business and you want to do something a little bit special for it. Maybe you've got a launch of a new product. Maybe you just want to cheer yourself up because you've survived through this crazy time and you want to do something to say, do you know what? I'm really proud of what I've done. Um, it could be to educate people. So that could be things like a conference or um, a series of workshops, Q&A sessions. So you want to kind of position yourself as an expert and leader in the field. Um, so there are a whole host of reasons to do it. The main one, I think, is it's for engagement. You get that instant feedback. Um, and you've got kind of, if people have come along to this event, the vast majority of them are going to have a bit of an interest. If they're going to a corporate event, there's no, they, they know that there's going to be maybe an element of selling or awareness towards what that product or service is. And they're okay with that. So you've kind of jumped that first boundary. Um, and you, like I say, you get that engagement and you can also get instant feedback from them as well, which is brilliant. And data collection. You know, you can do, obviously, as long as you're sticking within uh, GDPR, collect people's details as they're coming in, collect business cards. You know, can we keep in touch with you? So there's there's a few different kind of prongs to the reason why you should consider putting an event on as part of your marketing strategy. I mean, you actually preempted my, my next question there about the data collection. Uh, it's a massive feeling on quite a lot of events that I've ever been to where you come and you go and at no point did anyone say oh can we have your details or would you like to enter this competition or there was nothing to try and collect my information so that they could perhaps send me a follow-up whether it be a feedback questionnaire or um, just just some details more details about their services which perhaps I wasn't overly bothered about learning whilst I had a, a maggot butty and a, a glass of beer in my hand uh, it it do, those are the I kind of things organize this event, by the way. <laughs> yeah there's no attachment there to funky sunflower um but that's probably a good example of the organization on the day that you mentioned before it, it obviously if it's your event the last thing you're going to be doing is running around sweating buckets because you're having to organize everything but there is even more to it than just sort of the organizing there's making sure that things are done and things are done in the right order that keeps it slick and smooth 
Yeah. And and just simple things like, you know, um, we did a launch for a co-working space a couple of years ago and it was, you know, we had, we had the bar and um we actually had a jewelry showcase there so people could have a look around you know some really nice jewels and watches and rolex and all that kind of stuff um and there was the bar and there was the food but obviously people are eating they're drinking they're putting glasses down and it's just kind of making sure that everything's still on brand still nice and tidy and that the music's going at the right time that's you know if you've got some kind of thank you or welcome speeches that everyone's in the room at that time you haven't got people off kind of having a tour of the different spaces um and Greeting guests, that's just as important as anything. It's not just about what happens in the room. It's how they're greeted. So, you know, a shake of the hand, a welcome, a direction. So, you know, you can get yourself a drink over there. This is going to be happening. So like a human signpost, but they get that that warmth, that personal greeting, which is so essential. And then they can do, whoever's on the door, they can do that kind of data collection there and then. You know, do you want to give us your business card? We'll pop it in. As long as there's a couple of signs and, you know, covering you for, for use of, of that details and you're not going to kind of sell it on under under like say GDPR which is just a minefield in itself but yeah you know do you want to pop your business card in you could win a bottle of champagne or something like that it's all it's all very simple things but it's stuff that can get forgotten it tends to be the simple things that get forgotten and sometimes they're the most effective and what's the point in having an event if you're not kind of collecting that data corporate wise yeah you've got to you've got to get your money's worth and I don't want that to sound as crude as it comes out but you're not doing it just for fun are you you're not spending this money just for the sake of spending it there is a purpose to it as you've said at the outset and you know even if those people who have come along to it they might not have an interest in what you're selling or what you're providing at that point but if they've had a good enough experience first off they'll go away and tell other people about it hopefully they'll go away and share it on social media so lots of other people will find out about it and at some point they might become your today customer so they, they might be looking at some point for that service or a friend of theirs might be, and they can pass it on and say, we had this brilliant experience with these guys. They're really up there. Pass the details on, and then suddenly you've got a, you've got a sale that you weren't expecting. Yeah. So that's events, and just to recap, it's quite important that if you do want to do an event for certainly 2021, um, and if you want to try and roll the dice to see whether you can do one in 2020, absolutely get in touch with someone like you now because the planning needs to start now um all your pieces of the puzzle need to be starting to be taking shape quite literally from now um in order for it to be done properly i think even looking into 2022 because next year is going to be so busy um the books are getting opened already for, for 2022 onwards just because they're going to have to, because there are so many dates that are already completely fully booked. Um, and, you know, it's to get the people who you want to work with you. Yeah, there are lots of event planners, but, you, you know, you always want to find the person or the company that fits you. Same with anything. It's the one who gets you the best. You know, if, if they're popular, if they've got a busy year coming up next year, you're going to have to maybe consider looking at 2022. So, yeah, it is essential to kind of start thinking about that now as early as you can and as i touched on before as well it's how you save money the earlier you engage an event or wedding planner the more money they will save you in the long term fantastic so we'll leave events there for the time being uh, we'll move on to the the more productive niche at this moment which is your media side of the business do you want to tell us a bit more about what that includes um, so the media side, I trained as a journalist um, many moons ago. I'm going way back when to the, the, the dark old days when I came up from the pit. Um, I trained as a journalist back at university um, 
and I worked, I was, I was really, really lucky. I, I took a work placement at a radio station. It was in Sunderland, which wasn't that lucky because I'm a Newcastle fan, um, but they were brilliant. I did a two week placement and they kept me on afterwards um, as free labor. But, you know, I, but I get what you're I grateful, You're grateful that at that age, aren't you? Oh, do you know what? And, and what they invested in me was phenomenal. I had voice, tri- my voice is actually a lot higher than this. My normal voice, a bit like Minnie Mouse. Is it like Sarah Millican, the, the comedian who yeah. seems to get higher and higher the longer her set goes on? Yeah, Minnie Mouse on helium. Um, <laughs> kind of a northeast trait for women. And it, when you talk on the radio, it kind of pitches it up a bit as well. And because I was training to be a journalist, you've got to have a voice that carries authority. So you can't really read the news talking like this, can you? So you, they, they spent a lot of time. That isn't my normal voice either. They spent a lot of time doing voice coaching with me, which at the time I thought they were taking the mic because they had me like lying on the floor in the newsroom, reading stuff out loud. <laughs> and I thought, this is just kind of some harassment suit in the, in the making here, isn't it? What are you doing? It, this was, so this was late 90s. I'm, I'm blushing at one of the, the memories. <laughs> this wasn't anything. This wasn't anyone at the radio station. This was, this was, um, a f- football manager actually. Oh. anyway it was fun it was all fine um, <laughs> sticking myself in deeper now aren't I shut up Rebecca right let's move where were we so um, I went through university did a work placement and it was wonderful um, so they kept me on and I was just I was hooked by news it was fantastic um, but obviously it taught me a lot of skills in terms of writing even though it was for, for broadcast and then I did a breakfast show um, there's a point to this story and I ended up moving to the Wirral uh, 19 years ago to do a breakfast show on a station that was the buzz world's buzz 97.1 um still, i'll start singing the jingles in a minute go on i can't, I can't actually remember them thankfully um oh, i was so lucky to work in radio when i worked in radio because at, at that point um so we hadn't kind of been bought out by any of the big national groups or anything at that point and we were taken away and trained by just the best of the best so if you've ever heard of a guy called howard stern big shock jock over in america oh my god yeah um, his coach was Bill McMahon, and Bill basically taught me everything I know. Um, so, you know, it's kind of decent pedigree in terms of where you come from. And one of the biggest things was about authenticity. It was authentic radio personality. Um, so I learned a lot. And then it's funny that it's come kind of back around, really. So the media stuff has, has filtered back into the business. I'm back on air on the station, if I can give it a plug, Zest, Northwest. Of course. Um Thank you. I just did it anyway, didn't I? I didn't even wait for the off course. Well, where, where can you get Zest? Uh, you can get Zest. Uh, you can get it online at their website, which is zestnorthwest.co.uk. Um, you can ask, I don't want to say her name because she'll start speaking the little box that you have on your desk and you shout her name and she'll do things. Um, not your wife. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can say, play Zest Radio to her and she will play it. Um, there's an app as well. And uh, it's on DAB. So there you go, lots of different ways. Your, your, your voice goes all professional when you say zest. I can tell yes. that you've been, you go into pro mode. I'll, I'll launch into like a link in a second <laughs> from Liverpool for the Northwest. No, anyway. Um, so yeah, it's kind of come back in really and um, doing some presenting work, doing some um, hosting for Social Buzz magazine, which um, is a CIC and they promote kind of culture and the arts um, across and charities across um, Liverpool with a free, well, it was a free publish, publication. It's all online at the moment. Um, and then it's kind of, I've kind of brought in the content and copywriting as well. 
well, which kind of follows automatically on from um, the writing side of things. So that's writing blogs, writing content. Um, I'm a ghostwriter for a couple of people on LinkedIn, which is really, really funny when I see their post and I'm like, I reckon, oh yeah, because I wrote that. Um, and then I get really jealous because I think they're dead good. I want to use that myself. <laughs> it's a big mix of writing, um, different styles, different genres. And I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. So what kind of stuff can you do for people and for businesses as far as the media goes? So, so in terms of the content and copywriting, that could be um, if you're getting a website redone or you just think your needs are freshen up, I can do all the content for it. I don't do any of the design stuff. I'm not skilled in that area whatsoever. Um, but I can write the words that make it good. Um, and sometimes that's that's the hardest bit. Um, it's it's not it's not the most fun task for people, and it's really difficult. I think if it's your business to write for your business because you know it so well, you can sometimes fall into the trap of um, maybe being too jargony or assume knowledge, which is the biggest killer. You kind of assume that people who are reading it have the same level of knowledge about your industry that you do, and most of the time they don't because they don't specialize in that area. Um, it's time consuming. People don't like doing it. Um, so I can kind of bridge that gap and write the content for the website. Um, and then there's blogging, which is a huge thing and everyone should be doing it. And I'm, I kind of preach about blogging, um, and how beneficial it is for businesses and how often you need to do, it, which is quite a lot to be fair. Um, but again, I can write the blogs for people. Um, and I write across a whole scope, right across different sectors from, um, I've got an international recruiter who deals with pharma and biotech. So I write blogs from them um, through to personal development coaches, a national security firm. Um, so there's, again, there's a huge mix that I write and I can write in the different styles. So some of it will be very kind of process, systematic, detailed, and others are a bit more chatty and more lifestyle folk. It's something that's really underrated is the blogging, the articles. And it's quite often something that I hear most that, people intend to do or would like to do and either start and fall off the wagon or just never find the time in order to do it what what are the benefits of doing it so people who aren't necessarily on that journey of thought process yet why would they think that the blogging is is worthwhile for their business so to put it into like cold hard facts a website with a regularly update and the key with this is all regularly updated so it's no good having one blog and then not doing it again for a month a regularly updated blog can improve your google ranking and your google searchability by up to 434 percent wow huge um because that, i mean as you know you know google kind of scours through it and if there's no regular content and updates it kind of thinks that website's dormant and not active so it's not as bothered about scouring through it again so if you've got that regular content going on and you don't want to be rewriting your homepage or whatever every, you know, two or three days, then blogs are the easiest way to add that new content. Um, 400, there are 400, around 409 million pages, blog pages that get read every single year, which is a huge statistic. Um, 97% of businesses who have a regular blog see more traffic coming through to their website. So you never write a blog to sell, but obviously in business, we're all there to make money. So obviously the end game is to generate some cash down the line, but think about what the end game is for that blog. So is it to engage people, to spark a conversation? It can be controversial if you think that fits with your brand or you're quite comfortable in that position. Maybe you want to spark some debate around it. 
Um, maybe you want to educate, maybe you want to position yourself as, you know, the expert in a certain area. Blogs are the best way to do it. They're the fifth most trustworthy source of information for businesses. What are the other four, just out of interest? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be, a lot of people think blogs have got to be dead long. The the sweet spot um, from kind of all of the different stuff that I've been reading is, and this this horrifies people, 11 blogs a month is what, what you need really to really get people in. I know, right? <laughs> Um, but they don't all have to be like a thousand, two thousand words long. They don't all have to be long. You can do some really kind of quick short bursts out. If uh, there's a guy called Seth Gordon, and his blogs are great because some of them you get and you get them like you know I get two or three sometimes a day off him. Sometimes they'll be really long and in depth, and then others they're just a couple of lines. So they don't all have to be dead in depth. They don't all have to be about your business. Again, going back to the word authentic, people want to know the person behind a business. So particularly if you're a small business and you're the face of it, people want to get to know you. So share whatever as much as you're comfortable with. Some people are happy sharing their family life and pictures of their kids. Who doesn't love that? Others kind of want to have a little bit of of control over that and and not intrude as much. But behind the scenes stuff, how-to stuff, what goes on in the office, things that happen on Zoom, you know, cat walks past and sticks its backside in the camera and things. So there's, there's all kinds of fun stuff that you can do alongside the serious stuff to balance it out going back to and obviously linking it with the wedding aspect of it you have to woo your customers don't you You don't meet them today and marry them tomorrow there is an an awful lot that goes in between those two stages of a relationship and it's it's exactly the same with the client isn't it yeah i think what in in whatever you do in terms of marketing, whether it's online stuff, whether it's networking, if you're out doing kind of net, well, not that you're out networking at the minute, but if you're online doing networking, it is, it's like a courtship for want of sounding like my mother. Um, it is a courtship. So you have got to kind of go through those, those processes of, of wooing them. You're right. You don't just, unless, you know, unless you made I fall madly in love and then get divorced within two days. I don't. Um, but I could. Um, yeah, you, there is there is a much longer kind of process to it. And, and you do have to kind of follow certain, I'm trying to, not to link it too, too crudely. Um, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a courtship, there's a romance to it, a little bit of wooing, never did anybody any harm, did it? Yeah, you mentioned something quite interesting there about the topics within the blog, uh, political, controversial, even illegal content. Um, you mentioned it that obviously it needs to be something that fits within and is consistent with your brand Uh, there is obviously a fine line between pitching it in a way which doesn't make you the world's most hated person although having said that there are people out there who have built their entire brand on being the world's most hated person Um, but obviously you don't want to isolate people unnecessarily just for the sake of doing it if ultimately that means you're losing the work. There are very few people who could get away with some of the stuff that you see. Um, and it, and it, can, it can damage your business hugely. Um, without naming names, there is um, a pub and um, the guy at the start of lockdown posted something um, on Facebook, which was a rant that kind of came across as being a rant at the NHS. Um, and it went viral. He was, um, he put an apology on the, the following week saying, you know, I was, I was drunk. It came off relatively quickly, but it had gone viral. And, you know, the, the damage that that could do 
is it's crazy like you say some people kind of thrive off that I personally would say stay away from anything politics and religion wise I think sometimes it's good to have a say if there's a movement that you believe strongly in and it fits with with your brand or your personal belief and and you're quite comfortable with that as long as you're prepared because finger finger trolls are a thing you know they'll always be you can put out the nicest content and someone will come back at you with with some comment or other um but if you're particularly trying to spark a controversial debate, just, you know, block out a few hours. It can be good fun, you know, getting trolled on, on Twitter or something. You can have a, a, bit, a bit of banter. Um, but one key thing I think to think of as well is, you know, in terms of slander and libel, if you write that down, that's you've gone into the realms of, of libel and it is there forever. I think that's the key thing. Even if you think you've posted it, it's gone. You just have to look at those civil servants that posted on that uh, Twitter the other week. And it was kind of, it was taken down within minutes, but it went viral. So as soon as you write something and you put it out there, it's, it's you know, you've got to think about the fact that it is going to be there forever. It's not tomorrow's fish and chip paper anymore. It's no. there. And there's nothing wrong with sparking a debate, but maybe it's best if you write your blog and position yourself in a neutral position to open the debate up to people's opinions. Then it's not you who's going to get chastised for voicing those opinions. Although, of course, you then take on the responsibility of making sure no lunatics jump on board and start abusing the platform you've essentially created for them. Um, but that. Yeah. It will drive traffic. It will create audiences. You just need to make sure it's the right audience for you. And I, I guess that's where your expertise comes in. I think you can you can cleverly word things as well. So you're being very ambiguous. I've posted stuff before and people have gone, oh, you're clearly this or you're clearly that. And it's like, well, actually, if you read that again, I'm not. And my position is completely unbiased. And I think for the training that I had, when you were journal- training to be a journalist, obviously you have to, you're just supposed to be <laughs> not going to say you are because a lot of them aren't now but completely unbiased so you should never give any political views and this isn't just if there's an election going on this is at any point because to a degree if you're if you have a voice that is heard by people you have a responsibility that goes with that and you can persuade people um and you can guide people um so i was always kind of taught be really really unbiased about stuff certainly post things but actually if you if you read it you could never tell you know what who i vote for you could never tell what my religion is um and that's not through any embarrassment um over over who i am or what i believe in it's more to do with the fact that i i want to be unbiased and i'm genuinely interested in getting everybody's point of view i'm just dead nosy it's the journalist in me i'm the nosy neighbor i want to know everything that everyone thinks at any time and then i save it and tweet about it later well, we know we know what your religion is. It's Newcastle United, and uh, your political affiliation is Geordie. So we we know those they, already. Yeah, that they're, they're easy. That, that's it. I'm really, I'm really completely biased. <laughs> One other factor that people also often overlook is the fact that there is obviously a charge attached to you doing these blogs, which quite often puts people off. Um, but it's a false economy more often than not. Do you want to just try and explain in ways that you perhaps far more eloquently with your low-pitched professional voice will be able to tell people why it is a false economy than obviously I with my high-pitched, coarse Yorkshire accent? <laughs> um, yeah, of course, there's, there's a cost attached to it. 
um, it, you know, it's, it's time and, it, and it's, you know, that, that expert, expertise, that knowledge that's been gained from, from all these years of waffling on um, on the radio and such like. Um, but it is, it's the time factor a lot of the time. You know, a blog can take, if you're, not, if you're not particularly good at writing, a blog can take two or three hours. Have you realistically, you know, you can see the stats. The stats, you know, the stats don't lie. They, they, you know, you can use a stat for anything, I guess. But um, the fact is that regular content, and these facts don't lie, the regular content on your website will benefit you. Now, if you haven't got the skills to do that, or you haven't got the time, and some people just don't want to do it, they, haven't, they don't enjoy writing at all then would you rather spend that three hours out doing some business development work, meeting people, getting on doing some networking, working on your own business, or spending time with the kids or the dog or, or whatever? Is there something else that you could be doing in your business? It's it's much like treating it, treating it like, you know, your accounts or something like that. If it's something that you don't enjoy doing, but you know it has to be done, then it makes more sense to outsource it. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, I, I said before about 11 blogs a month. I don't have any clients that I write 11 blogs a month for. I've got some that I write more for, but they will drop in their own blogs on top of that as well. So it's not kind of me going, right, it's this much per blog and you have to do 11. Way, I'm off to drink loads of champagne right now. Um, it's not that at all. Some people just want kind of one or two a month just to help them out a little bit. Share the load. Share the load. That's it. Um, but I am also, I'm just going to do another plug. Uh, show me it was all right before. So oh, absolutely. Plug away. Um, I am going to be launching a couple of uh, workshops in July. So there'll be kind of blogging masterclasses. So if it's something that you're interested in doing yourself and you think you have got the time, then um, there'll be some hour-long workshops um, running and some group stuff as well, where you can kind of learn a few more skills about writing and putting it all together in kind of a good order and getting it out there. It's well worth it. I mean, it's it's a skill that you should try and develop yourself, if only because it will help you understand the benefits and even formulate a plan for what it is you're trying to achieve by using them. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do them yourself, because I, I, what I always do, and we come across this um, with with the marketing aspect of it. It's about how much do you charge per hour. How many jobs can you get through in the same length of time it would take for you to do this particular task? If it costs you 50 quid for a blog to be written and that would be two hours of your time, the question is, could you have made more than 50 quid with that same two-hour period? If the answer is yes, then there's the answer. Not only have you covered the cost of that blog, You've got the benefits of it being done professionally. You've got the benefits of it not being done by you, um, which has saved you the hassle. And you've been able to get on and be more productive, making more money doing what you're best at doing. Well said. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. There you go. There God, you go. I need it's one of those. That. I have to put, um, the last couple of weeks, and this is something that hadn't even kind of crossed my mind as well. I've picked up a couple of clients to write their blogs, and I'm not actually... I'm, I'm basically transcribing them. Um, they're dyslexic, so they find it obviously really, really hard to um, formulate. The, they know exactly what they want to say, and they can they can talk me through it perfectly. But they haven't necessarily got the skills then to write it down, the ability to write it down and get it out there. Um, so I just sit with them on Zoom, and we, we have a chat, and I take loads of notes and get it formulated, read it back to them, type it up for them, and away they go. Love that. We've probably covered a whole range of reasons why people need to get in touch with you aside from the fact that you're cool and fun 
and uh, you've got a microphone set that, also talk that deeper than this. <laughs> you've got a microphone set that desperately needs using on a daily basis, uh, if only to cover the cost of it. Quite frankly, um, but if you Listen want, me, yeah. Listening. If you want to have a meeting with Becky and enjoy the benefits of a round of applause every time you say something, even remotely half decent, then how can they get in touch with you? Um, so the easiest way um, is, uh, oh, what is the easiest way? You can hit us up through the website, which is just funkysunflower.com. That's got to be the easiest one. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram, funkysunflower1. Um, and if LinkedIn is your bag, then it's Rebecca Waterfield on LinkedIn. That's the formal. That's the formal name, is it? It's Sunday name, and it's the one that I still get called off my mom. If um, if you do follow me on social media and you ever see a comment that's just Rebecca in capital letters, uh, the way you need to read it is Rebecca, and that's my mom telling me off. That's her way of shouting at me, it's Rebecca. So yeah, if you ever see that, then. Me mother. My mother. My lady. middle name gets thrown into the equation if I'm in trouble. Mm. Mm. What's your middle name? We won't go there. <laughs> no, not because I'm particularly, but I don't want to give anyone else the opportunity. That there's probably lots of people I know listening to this, and I don't want to give them the ammunition that my parents use on a regular basis for telling mm. me when I'm in trouble. I, I get in trouble enough at home it without that. Power though, because. Um, Mark's just, it's such a short name. You can't really get the Mark. You can't get your venom out there, can you? Whereas if you go for my middle name, it goes on forever. Rebecca Elizabeth. Can you imagine? It's like the longest time in history. Uh, Becky, Rebecca, uh, thank you very much for joining us. That's been fantastic news. People can definitely get in touch with you. Highly recommend it. Um, as I mentioned at the outset, thank if you want to be on the show, send us an email at spotlight at thepodstation.co.uk or you can hit us up using the social media um, options, whichever is your preference. There's that many these days. It's hard to keep a track, really. But whichever one, you'll find us on there at the pod station. Um, just drop us a, a direct message and we'll, we'll take it from there. Uh, Becky, thank you very much. You've been brilliant. So have you. Thank you. I've had such good fun. Oh, bless. Oh, you're so kind. Um, right. Well, we'll catch you all next time. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. What was that? Sorry, that was me. <laughs> Check you all out next time. If you'd like to submit your business to be on the show, simply email spotlight at thepodstation.co.uk or message us on social media at The Podstation on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.